Grow Counseling here. I'm a licensed psychologist and the founder of Grow Counseling. We are a practice in Metro Atlanta and we have offices scattered throughout um, the city. And today I have Jill Howgate, who is the director in our Alpharetta office joining us for the podcast. And we're gonna talk about the power of self-talk. Jill, thank you for making the time to be on with us today. Absolutely, thanks for having me. So you're, um, you work out of our Alpharetta office. Why don't you give everybody a little overview of what kinds of clients you see and what your specializations are? The office as a whole, we see literally every age and every situation that you can imagine just about. I work primarily with young adults and adult individuals. I do a lot of work with folks dealing with change of life uh, situations and also with anxiety. And those two often go hand in hand. So that's, that's my primary caseload. So we, we, you and I were having a conversation about the power of self-talk that I thought was super interesting and would be helpful for the world to hear. <laughs> not, <laughs> not all of our conversations are helpful for the world to hear, but this particular one. Um, <laughs> Every now and then we have a good one. <laughs> especially with the idea that we're spending maybe more time alone than we normally would, or we're less distracted than we normally would be in this uh, isolation or self-quarantine um, that people are finding themselves in. And so the really self-talk becomes a lot more powerful when we're spending a lot of time with ourselves. <laughs> so <Yeah>, absolutely. <laughs> if I don't have someone else to talk to, I'm going to talk to myself. Exactly. And so, you know, we've all heard the saying, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Do you think that's true? I don't think so. It's a nice idea and it, it, it strikes for something empowering, but I think it's closer to say that the pen is mightier than the sword. I think the words have the ability to do a lot of damage. I agree. I think it, especially depending on what those narratives are that we're speaking over ourselves all the time, those are the things that we're going to come to believe about ourselves. Right. The good news is that I think words also have a tremendous amount of power to do positive things in our lives. But if we don't recognize all the times that we are kind of speaking this narrative over our lives and shaping a lot of our expectations based on the, the voice in our head or the unconscious kind of expectations, um, if we don't know that those things are really exerting force over how we see the world and how we see ourselves, we're in a really kind of tough spot. I, yeah, I totally agree. How, how do we become aware of what our, our self-talk is? It's a great question. I think one of, the, one of the potential positive outcomes of some of the, the quarantine and the isolation that we're experiencing is I think it gives us a little chance. It forces us really to slow the pace and listen. And I think that taking the time to, to be aware and to listen for it gives us a chance to, to hear that. Um, I think the dialogue to, to listen for things that, that when we hear ourselves saying, oh, what was I thinking? Or I can't believe I've screwed this up. Some of these unspoken beliefs or expectations, they're going to think that fill in the blank, or sometimes we literally talk to ourselves. And I've heard myself, you know, kind of murmuring as I'm walking through the house, 
that's an easier sign. But I think just for kind of these messages that that show up and to, to listen for them and to also look around and kind of try to to vet those against what we're seeing. It's, am I telling myself one thing, but I'm not sure that it, I'm really seeing that or it's just I'm telling myself that, that that's, that's, I'm convinced that that's the way it is. Yeah, that's great. I think starting to identify how we're talking to ourselves and what message we're sending is, is really important. Um, what are, when you talk to clients or maybe notice with yourself, what are some of the um, ways that we talk to ourselves that maybe we would, we would never say to somebody else or we would never right. let them say to us, but we find ourselves saying these things to ourselves. What are some of those? Messages? Yeah. Well, I think we're super critical. That's number one. It's, we are way more comfortable being critical with ourselves yeah. and without any kind of filter understanding, you know, it's, I wouldn't say to, to you or one of my kids or a friend or somebody at the grocery store, how stupid are you? What are you thinking? But You're I right, said it to myself. <laughs> See, there you go. You can attest to this. But I say it to myself with alarming ease. And um, I, I'll, I'll generalize feelings or expectations to other people without their consent. I attribute to them, you know, oh, they're going to think that I am so stupid or that I'm not even paying attention or they're not even going to care. So why would I even ask? I'll seem so extra or whatever that is when that's not something that they've put on me. And I haven't even really given them the chance to, to either make it true or prove that it's not. Um, and I think we, we generalize judge. We don't fact check. Uh, we allow our inner voice to just act real bratty and kind of to be a bully when, when we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't accept that from, from someone else, but the inner voice can take one small thing and make some big generalization out of it. And I rarely stop and say, wait a minute. It seems like, like you're letting this get out of hand. I'm not sure that all that is really correct. I just kind of take it aboard and it rolls into this big negative ball of self-belief that isn't really fair or reasonable. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I think that it is easy to let those things get disproportionately out of control without slowing yeah. the roll or checking the pace or even asking yep. if it's true. We just sort of integrate it into our story about ourselves and keep mm-hmm. moving forward when, you know, a lot of times all those things that we've said to ourselves aren't even, they aren't even true. Yeah, I wonder where where do you think that comes from? Like, why do we let ourselves? Why do we treat ourselves with less care, kindness, of compassion, right. well, than we would if yeah. we're a stranger? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons is because we can. You know, <laughs> I, I've if, if I said something, there's like no that, check and balance. You know, Right. Nobody in the the grocery store line is going to just kick me in the knee if I say something. You know, I don't have the chance to to just walk away. I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm an easy target. And so people outside of ourselves have the free will to respond in their own way. And I don't. So it's just Mm -hmm. easy, you know. And um, I think 
we, we want to be accepted. We want to be um, well thought of. And I think there's a, a if we criticize ourselves before someone else has the chance to, sometimes there's this idea, I can get the jump on it. I can forestall someone else thinking worse about me than I think of myself. Um, and while it's understandable, I think, again, it comes back to it's not really very kind and it's not generally very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's fueled so often by our, our deepest fears and anxieties about ourselves, And so it's that mm-hmm. idea of, like, if I get ahead of it, at the very right. I might fail, but at the very least, I won't be surprised by it. You know, right. like, like it's sort of as a preemptive intervention with ourselves to try to yeah. how horrible we are on the front end versus it. Exactly. Somebody else saying it to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I won't have, I won't have as far to fall if I've already taken myself down a peg or three. Mm-hmm. But I think it does have confidence. I mean, you alluded earlier to it sort of, shaking our belief in ourselves. I think that is mm-hmm. a, a big piece of it. What else do you see as consequences? Totally. You know, I think it, it, you're right. It, it shakes our belief in ourselves. It, it doesn't encourage us to, to be our best. It demoralizes, but I think it also starts to, to shake our beliefs in others because we kind of establish this baseline for ourselves and then we attribute it to others, how others see us, even though we've never given them the chance to either confirm or reject our, our worst assumptions, we kind of internalize it. And that in turn, I think it fuels that isolation, some of the social anxiety. I talk to a lot of people with social anxiety and I think about it and I think if that's the way I talk to myself, why wouldn't assume that it does the same thing in other people why would I assume that when they say something nice or kind to me that they mean it It, it, it's real easy to assume that they say one thing to my face and in their mind they think something different if I'm doing that to myself Mm -hmm. so I think it it makes it harder to to engage well and to trust others and I think the worst thing too is it starts us on a path the first step to treating the people around us that we're the most comfortable with in a a way that's not really nice is to do that to ourselves. Mm. And we, it kind of erodes that internal peace and then it makes it easier to be kind of snarky or less caring to the people nearest us. And then the next layer and the next layer. And it, it sets us on a path to showing up generally in a way that is not the best of us. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's let's shift a little bit now that now that we've established that negative self talk isn't negative. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> we've got a problem. How do we keep so from good. doing that? What are what are some strategies that people can use for changing their self talk, making it more positive? Absolutely. Well, I the first thing that I refer to is the trifecta. So thoughts when you're having these self-talk I ask myself these three questions is it true is it helpful is it kind anything worth saying to yourself should be you should be able to say it in a way that is true helpful and kind and if it can't kind of hold up under those criteria then it hasn't really earned the credibility to carry any weight Mm mm-hmm 
That's fantastic. So that, yeah, kind of the, the first swipe at it. Um, so you're, and, you you're know, really talking about like observing what it is that you're saying to yourself, evaluating it. Yeah. And if it yeah, doesn't meet it, these criteria, then uh, becoming aware that you need to shift it. Like the first step is that awareness yeah. piece. Right. And, and I think it is, it's almost kind of when you teach little kids manners, there's two separate pieces to this kind of what you're saying, the content itself, and then how you're saying it. And they both have, they both have their place, but they're not the same thing. And I think this really does get to that macro, that big picture view of how is, how is my, my content being expressed? Um, because if it's true, but it's not helpful and it's not kind, then there may be a way to come around that in a different way that makes this truth something that can be expressed in a way that is kind and helpful. It's, so it's, it's really kind of looking at how do we communicate with ourselves is as important as the actual content itself. That's great. So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Build your awareness. Um, mm -hmm. We talked earlier about uh, saying things to yourself that you would say maybe to someone else. Like, is it as right. nice as you would say to someone else? Right. It's one of the, one of the things that I think about is would one of my kids in elementary school have gotten in trouble if they had said this to one of their little friends? <laughs> and I think, <laughs> okay, so, you know, it's a pretty baseline thing, but if, if I would have gotten a note home from a teacher, had my kids said this to one of their friends, what on earth makes me think that it's okay to say that to myself? Slow down, Jill, think it through. This might not be where you want to land. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, I love this idea of self-compassion. I think it's something we can probably do a follow-up podcast on it at some point, but the, yeah. just the idea that we're not generally very nice to ourselves at all. And so I think that the, um, you know, the, the self-talk is part of that, but I think there's a standards piece that goes into it, expecting ourselves to be perfect. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a big part of self-compassion, like really increasing self-compassion is increasing the empathy that you extend towards yourself, um, giving yeah. yourself permission to feel what you feel and, and giving yourself permission to fail sometimes, you know, that we're not always going to be perfect. We're not always going to be somebody who comes out on the top of the pile, you know, that there's absolutely there's a curve that we're not always going to know things right from the beginning. And it takes a while to become an expert in something. Yeah, definitely. And I think the paradox is that sometimes the feeling is if I extend myself, this compassion, this empathy, it's going to lower my standards. And I think that the funny thing is it's actually just the opposite. Mm -hmm. If I give myself a little bit of, of understanding and empathy, not only does it not discourage me from trying harder, it actually builds me up and, and encourages me to, to stretch more, to reach more, to, to, to have the confidence to, to say, I may not get it right all the time, but I can try. And, and that, that's not so threatening. And um, so I think that it's really, really valuable in that regard. And I think too, I've had a number of clients as we've gone into this kind of really stressful period that they had been doing really well with anxiety. And then 
when they start to feel some stress and some anxiety, they've just torn themselves down to the ground saying, oh, I'm right back where I started. Look at this one minute and boom, it's all the good, the hard work's been washed away. And I think that when they can stop and say, you know what, it makes sense that I'm under a lot of stress. It, this, is, this is a really tough time. I can see why this doesn't feel great. I can see why this is putting some extra strain on, on those anxiety management and stress management skills that I've been working on. That in and of itself will usually have a tremendous impact in lowering the anxiety that they're feeling. It, it gives them a little bit of margin to kind of come back around and readdress these things in a way that feels more positive and more helpful and they see more success from. That's great. So, so in summary here, we're basically talking about becoming aware of how we speak to ourselves, making a real um, intentional choice to increase the positive self-talk, the self-empathy, self-compassion, um, and mm -hmm. then seeing the impact that that has on our behavior and our willingness to try things and maybe on our willingness to even fail as we, we try learning new things or doing something that's hard or surviving something that's legitimately stressful. Well, thank you for making the time to broadcast live from uh, Alpharetta in your Roswell in your <laughs> basement. We really my pleasure. <laughs> we will tune in again soon. I think we so far have broadcasted from your closet in your basement. So we're we're hitting all the corners of the house. Garage next time. Entry, I feel really good entry about it. Next. <laughs> all right. Have a great day. For those of you tuning in, you can find more resources on our website at www.growcounseling.com. There's a link right now from our main page to a resource page um, that has some specific resources for surviving COVID-19. And there are other resources on our site that you might find helpful in your journey to be the best version of yourself. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you on the next podcast.